0: All right. Are you guys ready? I got you all set up. I got you all primed. I told you I'm excited about this series for for good reason. Obviously, the call to minister to families is one of the deepest rivers of living stones. Uh, We talk about our four R's here, our four vision points, and we take those points very seriously. Sometimes churches have vision statements or whatever, but nobody knows what they are. Nobody really does anything about them. That's not who we are. We're very clear about our vision here. Y'all help me. I'm giving you the quiz. Those of you that have been around for a while, we have four R's. Our first R is reviving hearts. What's that mean, Pastor? It means we want to see every person have an encounter with Jesus that's life-changing. Amen. And that they get healed from the inside out, from their hearts out, that they get restored and healed in this place. The second R point that we're talking about today has to do with marriage and family. What's that one? All right, restoring homes, restoring marriages and families, a deep, deep well, and we're going to preach out of that well today, and I'm going to talk about that for a little bit. The third area is reforming culture, which we talk about that transformed people should transform nations, amen, and that the gospel should transform every aspect of our culture, not just get us ready for heaven, but bring heaven to earth, all right? Our job is to transform this region with with the good news of the gospel. And lastly, our fourth hour, help me out with that one. Reaching nations. You know, Vietnam, I'm getting a little echo here. Vietnam is less than 2% believers in the whole nation, less than 2%. India is, the, like I said, the mother of all unreached nations. Over 2,000 people groups waiting to hear about Jesus for the first time. How many of you know it's okay to go to Mexico on a mission trip? It's okay to go to Guatemala, but there's already Churches that are preaching Jesus there, and the the population is. Many of them are already believers. So we choose to go to places where people are starving to hear about the gospel. Many of them for the first time. Pakistan, less than two percent. That's if you're a part of this church, we're we're not going to go to the easy places. Have you noticed all the trips we go to? None of them are close. You know why? Because the close places have already been reached. Uh, It's the faraway places. It's the hard places that that people are unwilling to go to. How many of you know we're part of a daring love congregation? We want to go to the hard places. We want to go to the places where they're waiting to hear the gospel for the first time. And so let's talk a little bit this morning about fighting for your family. You know, my sister, I got to pause and just give my sister and Brittany some some credit for doing an amazing job last week. Can we give them <laughs> Way to go, Britt this church is also a real church. You'll hear real people talking about real issues. Before I get going here too, Eric, you just got to stand to your feet. We just got to celebrate Jesus and what's going on in your life. Eric was in that car accident about a month ago where the car flipped like four times. We prayed for him at first service. He's here worshiping the Lord here, and that's that's awesome. Hey, we love you and we rejoice with you. God is good. Amen. So anyway, let me just say this though. You've stepped into a culture that, where we believe God for supernatural healing for marriages and families. But I quickly want to add: you will never ever in this place find a perfect marriage or a perfect family. Can I? Is that okay for me to pop everybody's bubble? As soon as you come here, there's not magic fairy dust that lands on you and everything is healed. In fact, let me just tell you this: sometimes when you come here, we've had this testimony. People start going to marriage class and they say, oh, my marriage got worse when when I started going to marriage class. Yeah, because you were living in denial. Sometimes things get worse before they get better, but it means you're actually facing the problems and it means that God is exposing things so that he could heal you not so that he can destroy you, but let me just say, you've stepped into an atmosphere where nobody is perfect. Is that everybody okay with that? Everybody on your row is imperfect. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. They'll make you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> all of their kids are imperfect. Can I have a confession here today? Please do not put me on a pedestal because I am a sinner, just like all y'all. And let me just tell you something else. When The pastor and his wife have offspring. It's not like the immaculate conception, okay? Our kids don't come out with halos. My kids are normal sinners, like all of your kids. (laughs) That'll laugh a little bit. (laughs) Which simply means we're all in process. Nobody gets a special dispensation. And in case you haven't figured it out yet, We're living in a highly toxic culture, a highly toxic culture where I think it's more challenging to raise godly young people than perhaps in the history of our nation right now. We have to fight influences from everywhere, even some places we don't know where because we're not technically savvy enough to intercept the messages, if you know what I'm saying. I'm just venting here for just a little bit. It's going to get better. I don't have my glasses, though, so I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to see what I'm reading here this morning. Hey, hon, can you help me out? I'll even take Lauren's glasses. I don't care whose glasses. Just bring me somebody's glasses. I just wear the magnifiers from Costco. Oh, there they are. Thank you. My bronze. you like the bronze today? Sharp, huh? All right. <laughs> But you are part of a culture, hear this, that says families are important and they're worth fighting for. I'm going to say that again. Families are important and they're worth fighting for. This is where the blackness needs to come out. You need to start talking to your past. Say, come on, Pat. In fact, I'm going to share some vision here in a moment, and I don't want David to be the only one. Come on. Come on. We're going to have some fun here in spite of some of you. All right, here we go. <laughs> hey, I've been away too long. I'm feeling a little bit chippy this morning. All right. I want you to look at Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Because Nehemiah understood something. In addition to being a great leader, wanting to rebuild a city and rebuilding walls and wanting to resettle families and wanting to restore what's been lost, Nehemiah understood that, you know, when you when you attack a man's family, he will do just about anything to protect his wife and his kids. That's what God's put in our, our hearts as men. And I want you to see the strategy here in Nehemiah chapter four, verse 13. It says in Nehemiah speaking, so I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas, the vulnerable areas, the areas that were subject to attack. And he says, I stationed the people to stand guard by families. Notice Nehemiah did not form committees Committees are not helpful in this situation. He had people building the wall and defending the wall with their wives and their children standing right by them. They built according to families. Notice they were armed with swords and spears and bows. And verse 14 says Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. i want to say that to you all this morning. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Get your eyes on Jesus, who is great and glorious. And look what it says next. Fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, fight for your homes. You know, when they were rebuilding these areas, if an attack came, all I needed to do to have enough courage and strength to go on and to keep building when I felt tired, when it looked like it was an impossible situation, all I needed was to look back and see my wife and see my kids and realize what I'm doing matters. And this is a wall that needs to be built. This is a fight that needs to be had. This, this, don't you dare try to attack the wall here because you're going to mess with me if you try to mess with my wife and my children. It's appealing to something inside the heart of every man that says, you know what? My wife and my family is worth fighting for. I'm telling you this morning, your wife, your family, sir, are worth fighting for. Seriously, worth fighting for. Take a look here next. I want to talk to you for a minute. I want you to, I want you to think with me a little bit. As you think about living stones, I start saying, you know, what do I see in the spirit when I think of living stones as it relates to marriages and families? And as I share these, if it resonates with your spirit, I want you just to give me an amen, all right? I see a church, first of all, filled with great marriages. How about you? I see a church that where after you've come here for any length of time, I see lots of men with their arms around their wives during Sunday morning. It's okay. It means you're, you're, you're moving the right direction. Come on, Harry. That's what I'm talking about. That's applying the word right there. I'm also seeing some laughter coming out of your lovely wife and some laughter coming out of Harry because you know what? He's been working on it. He's been fighting and he's seeing some fruit. And I I could look out here this morning and look on some wives' faces and I could tell how well your husband is treating you and ministering to you just by your countenance. (laughs) Because listen, I see a church that's filled with strong men who have learned to love their wives like Jesus loves the church. Not selfish men, men who are lovers, men who are servers, men who are strong, men who come alongside their wives and lift them up, men who change diapers in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on. I see a church full of ladies whose faces are aglow because they're treated like queens by their husbands. Because their husband knows how to love them and honor them and serve them and, and they feel cherished. You know what? I see a church full of young people who have been spared the effects of sin and worldliness. They they don't have to make the same mistakes their parents and their grandparents made because they've been raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know what? They've got the anointing of God on their lives. They've got a sense of calling and destiny on their lives. They're not doing some of the same stupid things that we had to do. In fact, they're honoring parents. They're standing out amongst the crowd. There's a spirit of excellence on them. They're different than the rest of the crowd. What do you all see with our young people? I see a a church full of grandparents who have been around long enough to look back and not to see one generation, but to see two generations of seed being raised up, loving Jesus, worshiping the Lord together, and a family that's been completely restored over, over time to where now grandparents are leaving a rich legacy behind for their children and for their grandchildren. That's what I see. I see a church where families that are broken and filled with pain find a big home where they can be loved and where they can be nurtured back to life. I see a place filled with the love of Jesus, a love that believes the best about people, a love that lifts other people up, a love that is willing to cover the failures of our brothers and sisters when they don't maybe do it right. A love that rallies around instead of being critical and judgmental. Yes. You know, I remember a day when I was much younger and I thought I was much smarter and I knew all the answers, and then I had eight kids. <laughs> and I'll tell you this I could have 800 kids, and this is the beauty of the Lord. Every single one of them would be absolutely unique and precious and uniquely wired. And if I tried to parent them all the same way, I would be setting myself up for epic failure. I've come to the conclusion that you can't preach formulas when you're dealing with people. And you know what you can't do? You can't have an encounter or schedule an encounter with Jesus. Jesus sets up the appointment for all of us. And if there's anything I've learned over time is that I've become a better prayer. See, Pastor, how do you do this? That? I don't know how I just pray more than I ever have. Because the older I get, the more I realize how much I need the Lord and how much each of my children needs the Lord. But I'll tell you this, I don't want to ever be a part of a church. That kicks people when they're down or that, uh, that rips people apart when they already know that they're sinners. They already know they've made mistakes. Thank you. I want to be a church that is willing to say, okay, you haven't done it well. You're living with the consequences of some bad choices, but you know what? Your best days are still ahead with the Lord. And, um, I see a church where people can come and rebuild on the broken ruins of a broken marriage or broken families or kids that have gone AWOL. And they can come to this place and in the context of this environment of love and compassion and mercy, they can find hope to begin believing again and dreaming again. You know, it's a shame that the church has become a place where we end up shooting and kicking and eating our own. I see this happen all the time. You know, most pastors can't be real with their congregation because if there's any imperfection in their lives, they would be looking for a new job. That's a terrible, terrible place to be. You know, I was reading in the Bible this week when David was dealing with a rebellious son who was trying to kill him, that his men said, David, you're not going out to fight this battle because we all know how it works. The enemy is going to look for you, not for all the men. They're going to look for you because if they can kill you, this is what the Bible said. They said about David, you're worth 10,000 of us. How many of you know, any of you in this room, that number one, you love Jesus. Number two, you have any leadership capacity on your life. You have a target on your life. You have a target on your back. And I'm just telling you, please don't put me on a pedestal. Please get on your knees and pray for me. And pray for leaders. You know, it amazes me that the, that the larger body of Christ, when a national leader has a moral failure, we almost celebrate. Like, oh, I knew that ministry; they weren't really preaching the truth. And you know, what a sick, what a sick testimony of the church! We should be broken hearted when people that are leading us fall. You know, we should we should we should have something rise up in us and say, God forbid that that happens to my pastor, it happens to our church. You don't know what I'm saying. There should be a sense where we come alongside the weak and the wounded, and that we believe in people, and we're willing to, you know, the Bible says love barely even notices when people do it wrong. Isn't that an amazing testimony? It's It's not that we don't fall or sin, it's that the true mature person is so full of the love of God, they're not pointing out all the failures, they're they're quick to bring the blanket to cover the person's nakedness and not exposing it for the whole church and the whole world to see because they have the heart of Jesus who wants to restore, not to alienate people or expose people or damage people. I want to be a part of a church that lifts people's arms when they feel like they have no strength to lift their arms. I want to be a place that wipes the tears off the cheeks of people who have cried so hard and so long, they feel like there's no tears left. Have you ever been there? I want to be a place where what's good becomes better, where what's healthy becomes stronger, where what's intimate and real and authentic becomes deeper still. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. I want to be at a place so filled with faith and so filled with hope and love that people are drawn to this place like a magnet. What kind of a church do you want to be a part of? You know, I can look out here and see faces. I know stories. I don't know everybody's story, but I know a lot of stories. And I know people that are still in battles right now. I know people that are still believing right now, people that are still in a lot of pain right now. And I just want to encourage your heart today that you're in a place where there's going to be people that are going to fight with you and stand with you and help you and uh, will be there for you. And whatever you're going through definitely is not the end. And I'm telling you that with the Lord, your best days, every one of us, our best days are still ahead. I believe that with all my heart. You know, the Bible tells us of a time when Israel was fighting her enemies, the Ammonites. This is in 2 Samuel 10. The Bible says Joab was the commander of Israel's troops, and he noticed that the enemy was attacking them on two fronts, from the front and from behind. So he divided the troops, and this is interesting. He, he gave half of his army under the control of his brother Abishai. So here we have two brothers fighting the enemy together, and this is what he instructed them to do. He said, if the Aramaeans are too strong for me, they come over and you help me, Joab told his brother And if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I'm going to come over and I'm going to help you. Verse 12, be courageous though. Let's fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. And he says, may the Lord's will be done. I just want to say this. You know, some of you in this room today, everything might be going great. Your marriage might be clicking on all cylinders. Your kids are are happy. They're obedient. Uh, it's, It's wonderful. But I'm just telling you, the time will come when you will face your own battle. Some of you are in this place today. You might have a son or daughter that's addicted. You might have a son or daughter that's caused a tremendous amount of pain. You might have kids you haven't talked to for years. You might be going through a terrible divorce and, and it's raw and it's painful. And I'm just telling you, when the enemy is coming, I'm of you know too, I've heard this happen a million times. The devil doesn't fight fair. When he gets you down, he kicks you, stomps you, he attacks you in every way. How many of you know when you're fighting a financial situation, it's not that your car goes out and you got a $1,500 bill for your car. Oh no, your refrigerator went out, your washer and dryer goes out. When it rains, it pours. You all know what I'm talking about? The devil doesn't play fair. And he doesn't play fair when your family is under attack and you feel stresses. And if you have multiple children and you feel different things, each one is dealing with. And sometimes it's overwhelming. What do we do when that happens? This is what I want to be able to do. Hey, you guys, we're getting attacked from all sides. I need some help. I want people that are willing to run into my camp and lift my arms and wipe my tears and say, you're going to come through this. We're going to make it through this. We're going to fight on your behalf. I want people that when they're struggling, I'm jumping into their camp and say. Saying, you don't have to go through this alone. That's what the body of Christ does. The devil teams up on us. He's coming at us sometimes from multiple directions. That's when you need a church family. Right now with what's going on, i just say this with what's going on with Pastor Dick's health, with my father's health. I mean, we're talking about the generals in this house that are under attack right now. For crying out loud, let's fight. Let's pray. Let's let's go to God. Let's believe for some resurrections here. That's the way the body of Christ was supposed to operate. Satan's strategy has never changed. It's about dividing and conquering. Have you figured out that... When the enemy inspires your children and they come at mom and dad, the goal is always to separate mom and dad. Have we figured this out? Your spouse is not your enemy. And your child is being used by the enemy to try to put a wedge between marriages. What happens in churches? Listen to me. Nobody in this room is your enemy. They're your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're going to live forever with them. Nobody in this room is your enemy. Then for God's sake, why do we attack each other and allow division among God's people? Why do we do that? Yes, we're all broken. Yes, some of us, we still deal with selfishness. Yes, we're imperfect, but you're not my enemy. You are my friend. You are my covenant brother and sister. I will not allow the devil to get between us. That is the word of the Lord for church families. We fight together and we fight until we defeat the enemy. We don't kill our own. We're all in this fight together. You know what? Some of you, I said you might not be married yet or have a family of your own, but you come from a family. Every one of us came from a family of origin. We're all fighting for that family. If you're married, you are in an ongoing battle to make sure that your covenant relationship stays tight and secure. You fight for that. You fight for that. You never stop fighting for that. You keep it before your eyes all the time. If you're a single parent here today, due to death or due to divorce, you're in a battle right now for your children and for your grandchildren. And I just want to say to all the single moms or dads, hey, you don't have to fight alone. We want to fight with you and we want to help you. We want to come alongside of you the best that we can as you're fighting for your family. We've got blended families in here. Your kids, his kids, your kids together. It can get crazy and stressful. The last thing you need is someone throwing stones at you at the church. We want to see your blended family get blended. We want to see every one of them succeed. Every kid in your family, blessed of the Lord. Can I get an amen? Come on, David, you got to help me out. You got to help me out, David. The folks are being a little quiet this morning. Come on. That's what I am You're getting me fired up now. Watch out. Watch out. I'm getting ready now. Hey, if you're a grandparent, you're a grandparent in this house. You're fighting for your kids and for your grandkids. You're fighting for your legacy here this morning. And if you're a young per- person here today, you're still under your parents roof. Listen to me. Why don't you fight alongside with your parents and not against your parents? You're fighting for your folks' marriage. You're fighting for your destiny and for your future. Come on, fight on the right team. And come alongside and fight for your family. Let me just say, there's only one group of people that are never allowed in the body of Christ as it relates to fighting for families, and that's spiritual pacifists. Spiritual pacifists. What are you saying, pastor? Pastor. There is no room for passivity in any of our hearts as it relates to the fight for our families. Let me highlight what I mean here. You know, I read this passage this week, 2 Samuel 18. Interesting passage. It has to do with Absalom's rebellion against his father, David. But it says this, The battle raged all across the countryside, and more men, listen, more men died because of the forest than were killed by the sword. The Holy Spirit began speaking to me about that. He said this, there are men in this room, and I'll broaden it to all of us, but certainly men, how many of you know there are times when we know there's situations that need to be addressed, right? You know, it needs to be addressed. Maybe there's something in your marriage that needs to be addressed. Maybe there's something with one of your children needs to be addressed. But you know, by nature, sometimes we run from confrontation. Anybody out there know what I'm talking about? Or we just pray and we're going to pretend that it's all going to just disappear by itself. How many of you know that's, that seldom happens? More people died in the wilderness roaming around than died with the sword. Think about this. You will lose more battles wandering in the wilderness of passivity and denial than you will facing your enemy with the sword. This is for some of you men out there. Your wife's dying on the vine. Your marriage is going nowhere. You got no intimacy. I'm talking to you. Quit running around in the wilderness. It will kill you. It will kill your wife. It will kill your kids. Take the sword and deal with what needs to be dealt with. And let me just tell you, don't apply it to your wife. Apply it to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say that again. See, that guy is a big help. Saying, Come on, say it. say it again. Okay, I got it. Don't apply the sword to your wife. Apply the sword to yourself. Kill those parts of you that need to die so that you can go love your, your wife to life. But here's what I'm saying. Quitting, passivity, giving up, waving the white flag, not acceptable for God's people. Was I clear enough about that, David? Say, preach that again. Okay. Checking out, quitting, passivity, not acceptable for God's people. If you're pagan, be that way. If you're lost, be that way. If you don't know God, act that way. Don't act that way when you have God Almighty on your side. Don't act that way when you have a body of Christ around you. You know, the tribes of Gad and Reuben, when they were entering the promised land, you all remember that, they're fighting their enemies and they're making great strides, but they had to fight every step of the way to get their inheritance, all right? And Gad and Reuben, they decided to stop fighting on the other side of the Jordan. They said, hey, this is good land here. We're just going to stay right here. We're going to camp out right here. And Moses had a strong word of rebuke for them. Check this out. This is in uh, Numbers 32, verses 6 and 7. Here's what Moses said to them. Do you intend to stay here while your brothers go across and do all the fighting? Moses asked the men of Gad and Reuben, why do you want to discourage the rest of the people of Israel from going across to the land the Lord has given them? Check this out, they're like, we're done. We quit. We're happy right here. We're content. This, this is far enough. And I, I just feel this strongly, prophetically this morning. There are some spouses here. This is not just a man thing. There are spouses here that whenever the Lord's trying to get to that issue that wants to push you into greater blessing, greater anointing, greater freedom you put your heels down and you say, we're camping out right here. This is the word of the Lord. Why are you stopping fighting when your neighbors and your brothers and your sisters are still fighting? Because you're bringing fear and you're bringing a lack of courage into the camp because you're waving the white flag because you decided you're going to quit there are people in this room, I know you, you're, 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 in, you're listening to me now. You're, you let the Lord only get so far to the strongholds in your heart, and then you put the wall up because you don't want to go there. You just, you just wave the flag and you say, oh, I, I got enough of the Lord, I got enough of the Lord. Don't you dare stop fighting. There's people around here looking at you. You know, Brittany, when you and Steve have so beautifully modeled the pain and the hurt that you went through and trying to sort out where's the Lord in all this, and you get up and you keep fighting every step of the way. You keep fighting for what's coming next. I don't know about you. You, you put courage in my heart. When I see both of you, I get fired up. It makes me want to go pick a fight with the devil. That's the way it's supposed to be. It it makes me want to fight for you. But when people roll over and die, it puts fear in the camp. This is not a camp of fear. This is a camp of victory. We need the stories we need the stories of people that have faced their giants and won. We need the stories of people that have picked up that big old sword that was bigger than you, but you just started swinging it in faith. We need these stories. I'm telling you, the battle you're fighting right now is for somebody else to have the courage to do what's right. We get inspired through the challenges and trials that we go through. It's inspiring to be around people who are willing To fight. I'm telling you, fight. Some of you are dealing with the pain of an addicted child. You know, I've seen, I've seen young people that get hooked on drugs or whatever. They end up robbing from their families, stealing, lying, cheating. It's almost like somebody else has possessed them. It causes terrible pain. Broken-hearted parents that are, are just absolutely shattered when there's kids involved. Now we've got grandkids and we got all of that going on. And I'm telling you, it's incredibly painful. I'm telling you today, don't quit over that son or daughter who's trapped right now. We're going to fight with you. We're going to believe God for the miraculous. The pain of losing a child like so many of you have had to go through. The pain of divorce when you were ripped apart in your covenant from your spouse. An incredibly deep, hurtful pain. I just want to tell you, if you're divorced in this place, that is not the end of the story. And thank God you're still serving the Lord. Thank God you're still growing. Thank God you're still moving ahead. And we're not quitting on you. God still has purpose for you and destiny for you and a future for you. God will bring you through some of those difficult seasons of your life. It's not the end of the story with God. Some of you that have dealt with the pain of unfaithfulness and all other types of sexual sin or unfaithfulness, but you walked through it and you came out on the other side. And now you're a testimony for all of us that God can heal betrayal. God can heal jealousy. God can heal these deep, deep wounds in our hearts. God can do all these things is what I'm trying to tell you. And our job is to keep fighting. Look at what the Lord says in Exodus 14, 14. And I'm winding down. God will fight the battle for you. How many of you believe that right now? Wave at me if you believe that right now. God will fight the battle for you. He's speaking to us. And you, question mark, keep your mouths shut. <laughs> shut up. That's why I had to throw in the message version. It's just so real, you know. I think the King James says, you know, keepeth thou mouth quiet or something like that. But that just doesn't have the same effect. Shut up! How many of you know with the power of our tongues, we have the ability to build up and create. We also have the, the power to destroy with our tongues. Sometimes we got the enemy coming in. He's gangpiling on us. And what do we start doing? We start agreeing with the devil stop agreeing with hell. Stop agreeing with the circumstances. This is where faith has to arise. This is where we have to use our mouths to build a legacy, not to tear down a legacy. Sometimes the best thing you can do when you're going through a difficult situation is shut your mouth. I'm speaking from experience here. Best thing to do if you haven't figured it all out and your heart's starting to rumble with some rebellion or anger or frustration, shut your mouth. Until all, when you open it, you can begin to release praise to God. You can begin to confess God's word over your life. You can begin to thank God. God is your helper. He's on your side. This is interesting. This, this was even a, I want you to connect some dots with me. Before the troops went out, even in the Revolutionary War time, this, this was what they did right here. I'm reading from Deuteronomy chapter 20. Check this out. This is God's instructions. When the battle is about to begin, let the priest, not the general, let the priest, the pastor, come forward and speak to the troops. He'll say this, attention. Israel or attention living stones. In a few minutes, you're about to go do battle with your enemies. Don't waver in resolve. Don't fear. Don't hesitate. Don't panic. God, your God is right there with you, fighting with you against your enemies. Check this out. Fighting to win. Now here's these guys standing there with their muskets, they're getting ready to go out and fight the enemy, and the pastor shows up. What's the pastor doing? He's prophesying. He's telling them, this is what's about to happen. This is who's on your side. When you go out there, God is with you, and God fights to win. How many of you know if your heart connected with that prophetic word, faith would arise in your heart, and you're like this, you can't wait to run to battle because there's a supernatural sense of backing behind you and you're ready to take on your enemies. I'm prophesying to you today. You're getting ready to go out of these doors and listen to me, you are entering the war zone. Here's the word of the Lord to you today. In a few minutes, living stones, your enemy's waiting for you. Don't you waver on your resolve. Don't you fear. Don't hesitate. Don't panic. God, your God is right there with you, fighting with you against your enemies and God always wins. Come on, this is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. No matter what situation you're facing right now, let hope arise in your heart. Let faith arise in your heart. Let confidence arise in your heart. I'm ending with this verse right here. An amazing prophetic verse. Amos chapter three, verse 12. A shepherd who tries to rescue a sheep from a lion's mouth will recover only two legs or a piece of an ear. What an interesting prophecy. What does that mean? The situation here is where a lion had devoured a lamb. All that was left for the shepherd to salvage was two chewed up legs and not even a whole ear, just a piece of an ear. But the shepherd went after what was left. He fought for what remained. Listen, to him, the remains were significant. They mattered. They were worth redeeming. Some of you might be in a situation now, where you're looking at your family and you're looking at what's left of your family and you're going, all I see is two chewed up legs and a piece of ear. But this is what the shepherd of our soul says. What person in their right mind would go after a lion to get leftover few pieces of of uh, legs and ear from the mouth of a lion. Are you kidding me? Why would you approach a lion like that? Why would you go after a, a lion to get what we would consider is worthless? Listen to me. God Almighty, the shepherd of our souls, does not consider a couple of legs and a chewed up ear something that doesn't matter. He says it matters. He goes after the lion to get what is left because with God, he'll take a couple of chewed up legs and an ear. If that's all that's left in your family, and God will begin to do something with the remnant. How many of you know if you have an ear, even if it's a chewed-up ear, you can hear the Word of the Lord? How many of you know if you got a couple legs, even chewed-up legs, you can stand on the Word of God and you can begin believing God to bring restoration? Your family matters to God. What's left matters to God. God is the God who takes the remains and resurrects things. God is the God who can take even pieces that are missing and recreate things in the spirit. And in situations where you're going, you you all remember that story of the man who was out of his mind, demonized, living in the, the tombs naked. You all remember that guy breaking the chains. He was an animal. Reduced to an animal by the devil. And one encounter with Jesus, he's clothed in his right mind, peacefully sitting next to the Lord. Jesus started with a couple of chewed up legs and an ear. And here's a man that was absolutely restored, given his life back. You know, here's what I long for. This church has been a church that was birthed with a heart to care for broken people, broken marriages, addicted people. This church was not built on white-collar professionals. This church was built on broken, hurting, addicted, down-and-out people. Jesus loves broken, hurting, addicted, down-and-out people. He values Whatever pieces you feel like are left in your life, God says, I'll take it. Give it to me. I'll take it. I'll start making something precious out of it. I'm just praying that as we go after this vision of strong marriages and families, of restoration, of revived hearts, I'm just praying that God blesses us with a greater anointing, a supernatural anointing, to see demonic chains of addiction broken off people's lives. Uh, to see, Amen. To see hearts uh, living in this sexually broken culture that we're in today, that people with confusion regarding their identity, and their gender, and so forth. Oh, I just want to see God do the healing that only He can do to rework people's identities and to cause them to come forth as the men and women that He created them to be. Do you have a vision with me, saints, for this? Do you can you believe that in a culture? Uh, where we love God together, where we're willing to fight for each other's families. You know, that if, if the devil's picking on you or your kids, he's picking on me. If one, you know, Patty, I was sharing this morning, the Lord brought to my mind, you know, back when I was youth pastor, one of our finest young people got off into a relationship that wasn't godly. And guess what, you know, guess what happens when you get involved? She found out she was pregnant. And she knew it was wrong. You know, the, the young woman in that situation, she's the one that gets to, to carry the fruit of the choice, right? Whereas the young man doesn't carry the fruit of the choice. Uh, but she was carrying uh, the fact that she was pregnant and she was not married. And she, she had shame. She knew she was wrong. She was raised in a good Christian family. But guess what? We make mistakes. We have an enemy who's out to destroy us. I never will forget When she came before her grandpa, waiting to hear what grandpa had to say, and you know what her grandpa did when he saw her? He said, yes, and he celebrated her, and he said, basically, I cannot wait to meet my grandson or my granddaughter. Do you know what that did in that young lady's heart? She went on, she's married, she's got a wonderful family, and that son that she carried, that she celebrated, that her family celebrated, is a fine young man. He's living for Jesus now. But I have never have forgotten that grace-filled response to somebody who knew better, who made ch- mistakes, made choices like we all have, and was bearing the consequences of being pregnant without the benefit of marriage. I never have forgotten how critical it is At our lowest point, when there's people who still believe in us, people who still love us, and people who still believe that God is going to work through even our failures to produce something that brings him glory and honor. Not that we celebrate sin, we don't celebrate sin, but we do celebrate people who are sinners because we believe that Jesus is bigger than sin and we believe that the mercy of God is greater than the judgment of God. And we believe that there's a purpose for every one of those children. And uh, I just want to be a church that loves well. I want to be a church that lifts people up. I want to be a church that believes the best is still to come in all of us. And I want to be a church where someone's at their lowest point and they actually have enough courage to show up here that they're overwhelmed by the love of Jesus in the lives of God's people. You matter to the Lord. Your chewed up ear matters to the Lord. Your brokenness matters to the Lord. And I just want to tell us he's not done with us. His greatest days are still ahead. Let's be a place that loves people to life. I want to challenge every man here. Can we all just make a point today to make sure we love our wives and tell her how much we love her, how much we appreciate her. Can you make sure you go up to your children today if they're with you and uh, communicate personally to them how much you love them? in spite of the fact that uh, they didn't get the weeding done that I asked them to yesterday when I was gone. (laughs) Because they were playing video games, which will no longer be happening this week. But anyway, uh, (laughs) I still love my kids, thank God, even in their imperfection. And I've also found this, parents, you could lock your kids in a closet till they're 19 and then let them out. Not smart. Let's believe that Christ in them is big enough to make good choices. And that even when they make poor choices, we're still there to pick them up and believe in them. And encourage them in the Lord. And keep, listen, not destroy our children with our mouths. But keep declaring the word of the Lord over them. I pray for all my kids that they have an amazing supernatural encounter with Jesus that changes their life forever. I pray that we can model for them a godly marriage so that they can't wait to get married because they have seen the way their dad loves their mom and their mom loves their dad. I'm trying to model that as best as I can. I wanna honor my parents all the way to the end, do whatever I have to do as a son to love my my in-laws and love my parents and be there for them and serve them. I wanna do the same for my grandkids now that God's blessed me with grandkids, I I want to be the best grandpa I could possibly be. I want to be a fun grandpa. And I just want to be a part of a church that's able to see that DNA spread through all of us. That when people come here, they're just like, wow, I, I don't know what it is about that place, but the overwhelming love of the Father is in this place. And when we carry that, I'm telling you, God will God will back us up with the fullness of his glory. We're going to see people healed, people delivered, brokenness healed and restored. Um, You know, Charlie, I believe like in your family with what God did with restoring you with your parents, you know, that's the picture right there of of what God is doing. And so many of you are still in the process of receiving restoration and healing. I'm just telling you, we're standing with you. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. And Jerry Harvey, if you'd come up here with with me. I'm going to spare you from blowing my nose in the microphone right now, which (laughs) is something I learned after pastoring for many years. I I used to just share that with you, and now I've I've learned I'm not going to share that with you. Slither off the stage and go into my office, and uh, if you're here and you're new we want to connect with you. I'm going to have Jerry close in prayer, but I want our pastors and elders to come down front, and I want uh, them to pray with you. If, if you need someone to stand with you today and believe God for a miracle in your family, we want, to, we want to fight with you, all right? There's people here that want to pray with you, okay? Those of you that are relatively new here or just hungry... Come see me in that office. My right, have Pastor Susie Waving. That's where I'm going to be. Uh, but, Jerry, if you'll close in prayer. And then uh, please come forward if you need ministry. Otherwise, have a great day. Go out and uh, defeat the enemy in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, Lord, um, we just thank you for uh, that, that passionate message, Lord, of love. Um, the love of Christ, Lord, that um, transcends uh, who we are, Lord. And, Lord, uh, we just um, thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to be an example of you, Lord, to be able to love, uh, to have enough love to love um, when um, situations aren't good, um, Lord. And uh, we just thank you that you loved us. You loved us out of our darkness um, and brought us out. So, Lord, we uh, I just um, pray for all these families in here, Lord, today, um, the families that we'll touch today, as Pastor said, as we exit out these doors today lord we're uh we're uh, going out into a world a lost and dying world lord and let us be that light that shining light that reflects christ into the light the darkness of this world lord and um we just pray uh for your covering for your strength and again as pastor said uh, we'll be up here to um to pray with you to minister with you to uh to just help you and lord we want uh Um, this body to be an example of um, your love for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen.